Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Matt Browning. Super excited this week as every single week, but especially today, because well, I know you are out there getting something accomplished and really, really you know, taking your dreams for the world, for yourself, making them come true. And that is what we're all about every single week. So today, I brought someone with me today that I think you'll be very, very pleased to get to know and someone who, uh, who has a huge ability to help uh, entrepreneurs like us to expand, especially in the online world, uh, and, and become a catalyst for change. My guest this week is Kelly Roach. She's also known as the Business Catalyst, helping elite business owners become game changers. Yep, game changers in their field and achieve million-dollar-plus breakthroughs in their business. So we are very much on the same vibe and the same page with this. Uh, she's a former uh, Fortune 500 executive, and she's built and led record-breaking teams in 17 different locations around the U.S., her programs and consulting encompass billion-dollar corporate strategies, but as well as utilizing the speed and agility of some of the most powerful online strategies today. So think of it like the strategies from the big guys, but we can use them as we're, whether we're startups or whether we're solopreneurs or you get a small team, combine those two together and you got what Kelly's, uh, Kelly's approach is. You've seen her all over the place on ABC, NBC, CB, uh, Fox, CW. She's been all over publications like Inc. and Forbes, and she has two best-selling books, and she hosts a top 100 marketing management podcast, Unstoppable Success Radio. Super stoked to have her on. We can go on and on. Kelly, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for the intro, and I am thrilled to be here. Thanks, Matt. I, I, I'm, I'm really, really glad. I've been looking forward to this time together on the calendar for quite some time, and I'm glad we made this happen. Um, the first thing I want to get into with you is you know, usually people like you, and I would think people like me too, you know, we don't start off doing what we're doing today. And I'm sure your very first endeavor wasn't uh, like doing an online marketing or social media growth campaign. Have you always been entrepreneurial? Did you grow up that way? Lemonade stand as a kid? Or were you sort of a, I know you were a Fortune 500 executive. So what groomed you into entrepreneurship? Did you know you were going to be doing that? Or was this a total change in plans? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because I have a little bit of a little bit of both sides of what you just shared. I would say on one side, yes, I grew up entrepreneurial because we could never afford to do any of the things that I wanted to do. So literally from a very young age, I was like going to the dance studio owner and asking if I could clean the dance studio to pay for my lessons. I went to the owner of the gymnastics uh, place that I wanted to train at and asked if he would split halfway the cost of my lessons with me. And so from a very young age, I was always like bartering and looking to do exchanges and always looking for creative ways to fund what it was that I wanted to do. But I think that I did not grow up with the intention uh, or focus on becoming an entrepreneur at all. And in fact, you know, when I was graduating from college, my focus really was getting my foot in the door with an international firm. And I just had the intention of moving up as fast in that safe, pretty, you know, corporate environment as I possibly could. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I, I was promoted seven times in eight years. I became the youngest senior vice president of the company. And it was upon doing that, that I kind of 
ran to the top of the mountain as fast as I possibly could, looked around and I was like, oh crap, I think I climbed the wrong mountain. Right. And that was when I discovered that, you know, yes, you can get promoted, you can make a lot of money, all of that in a corporate environment, but you're never going to be able to achieve the level of freedom, the level of fulfillment or financial abundance that you can as an entrepreneur. And so I always say, like, I never moved into entrepreneurship because I had a desire to be an entrepreneur. It was more so out of the realization that I couldn't live the life that I wanted to if I stayed on the track that I was on. So two things come to mind as, as you're sharing that story is, um, I think a lot of people will relate, especially to the, the climbing the wrong mountain. I've used that metaphor. Earlier though, you said two things. Um, one was when you, when, when you got into corporate, you said, I want to go into the safe, I, I just heard that word safe. What was it early on in your mindset that made that the safe choice? And why was that so important to you? Can you tell me a little bit about kind of the, what was the situation growing up that caused you to be bartering and trying to get everything cheap? And what, was there not a ton of money? Tell me a little bit about kind of that growing up atmosphere and why did that seem so safe to you? Yeah, definitely. So there were five kids in my family. I came from very humble beginnings. My parents were like super, super into um, their faith. My dad worked for a nonprofit for like basically my entire childhood. With having five kids in the family, my mom was a stay-at-home mom because you can't outwork the cost of uh, getting help with five kids, really. Um, and so we just didn't have a lot. You know, my parents really put all their money into our education, and they believed a private, you know, Catholic education was really, really important. And so it just didn't leave money left over for all of those extra things. And for me, I was the kind of kid that like, I was not willing to take no for an answer. When I wanted to do something, I was like, you know, if you tell me I can't afford it, I'm going to go find another way. And that's what I always did. So it kind of was, you know, that is, you know, what led me into wanting to climb the corporate ladder and feel like I was very inflated with that, you know, success you know, working for a larger corporation. And to be honest, entrepreneurship wasn't even like a consideration for me. Like I didn't even really know or understand what the world of entrepreneurship offered in my 20s. I really didn't even discover entrepreneurship until I was like late 20s, getting close to like my early 30s when I, you know, decided to start my business. Sure. And what kind of industries did, did you think you were going to get into? Like, did you have a dream in, I don't know, like in, in high school, going into college? You thought, you know what, I'm, it's not just I'm going to go into corporate, but I'm going to be a something. Did you want to be someone or something? Did you have a dream to work somewhere? You want to be the CEO of Disney? What, what, what was the yeah. like early on? Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to work with people and I wanted to not be behind, be behind a desk all day. You know, I went through this little phase where I wanted to be like a sports reporter. I actually interned, you know, with the NFL and, you know, I considered that path and, you know, I decided that wasn't right for me. And, and ultimately I studied communications because I just knew I wanted to be out interacting with people. I didn't want to be behind a desk or behind a computer all day. So that's really what was like driving me. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to make money. I want to be communicating with other people. And I didn't really have one particular, uh, you know, idea of who that was going to be for or where that was going to be. And it's really interesting because everything that I knew I wanted when I was 18 years old, even though I had no idea what I wanted to do or where I wanted to work or what that would look like is exactly what I'm doing today. I'm in front of the camera. You know, I live stream. I'm always on the microphone. 
my my biggest passion is teaching and creating content and helping entrepreneurs to create those million dollar breakthroughs and that's all through interacting you know interacting with other humans and and serving and making a difference it's funny sometimes the the work that we do and again i say we because i think you and i probably have a lot of similar <laughs> similar structure right, right. abilities passions and whatnot um but it's funny that it sometimes you look back and you go uh, like when I was a kid, I wanted to be two things over the, over my years. I wanted to be a counselor, like a therapist at some point, And I wanted to be a teacher. And then I found out how much school and how little money you make and how much system you yes. have to be stuck within in both professions. And yep. then one day I'm running a live seminar. Like I know you run live seminars as well. Um, and and uh, I had a student come up and say something like, oh, you know, you're such a great teacher. Thank you so much. Something to that effect. And I just like for the first time I, I heard, heard it and it stopped me in my tracks. And I realized wait a minute, like, this is a weird profession. We have to do so many things. What, what do you think your top three, because you wear a lot of hats, like all of us do. What do you think your top, I don't know, two or three like hats you wear the, the majority of the time? If you sliced your pie of time and abilities and gifting into pieces, what are your biggest pieces that you spend the most time doing? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, first and foremost, it's really coaching and elevating my own team. So I run two companies, Give Her Courage, and then my coaching company. Say that, say that one more time a little slower. Your first company is called what? Give Her Courage. Give Her and Courage. Cool. Yeah. So I run that company with a partner and that's my baby business. It's like two years old. And then obviously I have my coaching company where I help entrepreneurs build and scale online. And that has been, we, I started that in 2012. So my biggest role at this point is really coaching my own internal staff and really making sure that our strategy is dialed in and that all the pieces of the puzzle are coming together the right way to achieve the outcomes that we want to. So it went from like when I was starting and building the businesses, it was like about me taking the actions. And now it's really about me elevating and teaching and empowering my team to take the actions. So that would be number one. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, please. Number one. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two, obviously content creation, right? So, you know, I built both of my companies entirely on, um, you know, utilizing social media as a channel to share value with the world in the form of video and audio and, you know, posting and, you know, the way that we share what it is that we believe and that we live and that we teach. And so, you know, strategy and then execution of content is another big piece, right? Um, and then the third is, is coaching and running my programs. And, you know, now I'm, I'm training other people that are helping to co-facilitate my programs as we, you know, increase our staff and bring others in, you know, to do the same. Right. Do you, do you think that, um, the, how should I say this? I guess the CEO, not the CEO part, but the, the integrator part, the, the manager leader type archetype, that person that you, you said, you said you, you spend the most amount of time doing. Do you feel like that's something that's come naturally to you? Have you always been that kind of person, you know, as far as like being able to kind of vision and lead groups and, and, and build people up? Or was that something that was a little more of a challenge to step into? And I ask that real quick because often like for us as, as like visionaries and creators, I think one of the challenges is the leadership of people, like the encouraging people is the easy part for us usually. But it's the, the systems, the project management, the timelines, the accountability and so forth can sometimes be like a different personality almost. Where do you fall in most and how do you bridge that gap if there is one? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's really interesting that you're asking that because I'm right now actually searching and interviewing for a VP that will basically be like the integrator for me because I really have have evolved my role to where I want to focus my energy is on the visionary leadership right? And driving the company forward. But I now need someone that can focus on managing the tactical day-to-day, managing the team, all of that. So we're in the the recruiting and interview process for that right now. Um, But no, leadership absolutely did not come naturally for me. You know, I was a really good salesperson and I loved being a really good salesperson. And the, the company, when I was in the Fortune 500, came to me like eight months in and they're like, you are like, we've never seen someone like you before. You're blowing it out of the water. We want you to move into management. And I actually really was not craving that at that time because I didn't, I was a 22 year old kid and I didn't really have the patience or desire to like slow down and take the time to like teach other people and go through all of that. Um, And I was really bad at it. When I started, I turned a ton of people over because I set the bar so high. I was impatient. You know, I wanted everyone to be like me and have the drive that I had and all of those things that you go through in the beginning. And then I learned to become great over time and I practiced and I, you know, fell in love with teaching and and empowering others and getting results through others. And, you know, eventually I built a team of a hundred people. And so, you know, I went from being a unnatural, you know, not great leader to that becoming really one of my greatest strengths. And, you know, now today, I feel like that's the number one thing that has served me in growing my businesses and really maintaining my quality of life. Because instead of as things come up, me asking myself, okay, how do I find more time to do this myself? I'm always asking, okay, who's the right person on the team for this to go to? And how do I empower them to do it successfully? That's a very, very cool distinction. You just said, who's the right person on my team? to handle this. And I think w- what, what I hear a lot of is, Hey, it's always about you. You know, it's like, you're the business owner. So you need to delegate, you need to automate, you need to make a system. And I love that rather than asking, how can I delegate? It's like, how can I get this off my plate and just give it to somebody? You're actually having a much, much higher quality question. You're asking who is the right person for this? Do you, do you find oftentimes you're not the right person? And I mean, you know, when you, especially when you come to specific skill sets and whatnot, there's so oh, many I'm places in my business. Never there. the right person. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh! I go. I'm I should not be never. doing this. Why am right. I the one setting out chairs for my seminar? I, I mean, I, I had to kick that habit after eight or nine years, maybe, and I realized yes. it was just this little micromanaging, like tweak in my brain that I'm like, oh, I just got to come back and fix this thing, in whatever the example is. And then I finally stepped back fully and said, you know, maybe I'm not actually the best person to lay out this design. Let me just completely give this out, and I'm going to show up the day of. Meaning I can't fix anything if it's not right. And it turns out it usually is better than I would have done it. Um, do you find that same thing? And, and or are there any exceptions to that rule? How do you handle that when you, you empower someone? That's a better question. Let's go there. When you empower someone because they're the right person for the, uh, for the role and it doesn't turn out the way you wanted, expected, it costs money, it was a mistake of some kind. How do you approach that? How do you handle that from a leadership perspective? Yeah, definitely. And I write about this a lot in my in my second book, Bigger Than You, which is all about building a successful team as an entrepreneur. Mm. I call it look in the mirror leadership. 
And so whenever something goes down in my company where I'm not happy with the outcome, the team underperforms, you know, it doesn't go the way that, you know, I wanted it to. The first thing that I always do is look at my role in how that was delivered to the team, how I set them up for success, how I manage them through the process, what deliverables I set for it. Because almost always when a team underperforms, it's because of the leadership or lack thereof. Right. And I think so many times small business owners say, ah, you know, this person needs to be fired. They're no good. It's more work than they're worth, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. And usually it's because they did not set the person up for success. They didn't communicate effectively. They didn't put the bumpers on the bowling lane so that they got the outcome that they wanted. And it was really the lack of leadership that led to that outcome. So for me, when I find that, I always look for what my role in it was. And then typically, when I identify what my role was, I'm able to then go back to the team, recommunicate and fix my leadership around that area. And then in nine times out of 10, almost instantly, we start to see the results that they want because the team only can execute as well as you communicate and strategize with and for them. And so I think that's a huge, huge kind of growth opportunity, you know, for most of us as entrepreneurial leaders. Really, really good. The team can only execute as well as you can strategize as a leader. I love that. I'm going to write that down on a whole page right now. Um, you, something I, I want to kind of get into too is you do a ton of content. And for me, I know I always need to be creating more content than I'm currently creating. I think most of us are going to find ourselves in that position. I know I do. Um, you have a phenomenal podcast and you do a, a ton of content. I mean, at least, what is it, twice a week you're dropping episodes out, it looks like, with Unstoppable Success Radio with Kelly Roach. And guys, you can find that on iTunes and anywhere where podcasts are available. But in your most recent episode, I like this, and you should check this out. It was just released, um, well, the most recent as we're recording this right now. But there's an episode called Time to Fall Back in Love with Creating Content. Um, you know, how to break out of a content creation rut. I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost there right now. So it's very close to home. What are some some strategies, ideas that you talked about in that episode? Because um, I really enjoyed it. Can you share with us some ideas? Yeah, out yeah. Of the content rut? Thank you so much. Yeah. So I would say, you know, everybody goes through periods where they're not inspired to create content. If you're a creator, you know, creation, like in and of itself, you know, is so tied to like intuition and inspiration mm -hmm. that if you're creating content all the time, of course, you're going to go through a content creation rut. Right. So I think the first, well, first thing is, that's good to know, like, let's acknowledge, yeah, that, you know, you're not yeah. broken because on a Tuesday morning, you don't feel like exactly. jumping up on an Instagram. Right? Okay. I think people beat themselves up and be like, Oh, I'm burnout in my business. I'm not excited to create content this week. No, you're just a creative being. And maybe you're not feeling a hit of inspiration at 6am on a Tuesday and you need to change it up a little bit. Right. So I, I, that's the first thing is I think acknowledging that like, it's not the end of your business and it's not the end of the world. And it doesn't mean that you need to change what you're doing because you're not feeling inspired to create today. I think that's the first thing. The second thing that I recommend to everyone that I think will be total game changer around content is opening up the conversation with your audience. Because I see so many entrepreneurs that are trying to create content in a vacuum on their own where they're like force them, forcing themselves to like try and come up with content to create. Instead of just opening up the dialogue and asking their audience, what would you like to see from me? What would you like to hear from me? What would you like to learn about? How can I serve you? People are so willing and they love to be a part of the co-creation process that they will give you 
so many ideas, so many topics. So it makes it so incredibly easy to constantly be creating content that your audience loves and is wanting and waiting for because you're including them in the process. And I think that disconnect is a lot of times where there's content being created that no one's consuming or there's content being created that isn't really coming from a place of excitement or inspiration. So how do we get back into that? Like, if I find myself thinking, okay, let's just say specific practical example, I committed to do a Facebook live or Instagram live every Monday night at seven. And I said, this is what I'm doing. I've done it for a month and a half. And now I feel burned out. What do you do to, to get yourself into that place to honor the commitment? Or do you say, hey, it's time to change up the strategy? Like, what would your specific approach be to that if someone's in that space? Yeah, definitely. Well, I would say, you know, honoring your commitment is, you know, so, so key, right? To yourself and to others. And so I would definitely, um, you know, I would definitely honor that commitment. I think the key, the key thing there is you have to ask yourself, like, what are you feeling inspired to talk about right now? What are you feeling inspired to share, right? What are you experiencing every day with your clients and customers that would serve and add value for them? You know, asking yourself those key questions, like, there's always something, there's always something there. And again, I think it's like this siloed approach of like thinking of a topic to teach on or to talk about completely disconnected from that mind of service or completely disconnected from like what your audience really is craving or needs from you and why they're showing up and honoring you with their time. You know what I mean? I do. I do. So, and I love the, of course, you said, let's honor that first, first and foremost. And that's super important too. Um, so we talked about making content. You do a lot of community building, of course, as well. Um, I love that, you know, one of the ways, for instance, you're using Facebook. So a lot of people just have a Facebook page. I have a Facebook page. Um, but you have primarily, you know, I said, hey, what, what, what Facebook do you want me to, to tell people about? And you said, actually, tell them about our group. And I think that, can you talk about that as a strategy? So guys, if you go to kellyroachcoaching.com slash community, and we'll have that in the show notes and everything, if you're listening on a streaming device or, or iTunes, kellyroachcoaching.com slash community, you can see how Kelly runs a Facebook group. Can you tell me a little bit about the Facebook group? Um, is it closed open? Are you going for lots of people? How, how does it work? And why did you choose to use that as your kind of the primary way to engage on that platform? Yeah, definitely. So what we found just in terms of, you know, really scaling the business is that community and connection is really, really important to people. And we found that by creating a place for people that are in our ecosystem, whether it's podcast listeners, people on our email list, people that are connected to us on social media, whatever the case, having a place for them to come back to and engage and feel connected to myself and the team really accelerated our ability to scale online quickly. And so, you know, we drive a lot of our traffic back to that group. I do live trainings there every single week. My team is in the group answering questions every single day. And we actually deliver a lot of our product launches in that group. And that has been really, really successful for us. So I think people underestimate how much in an online world people are craving connection. And I think that if you offer like the next level of con connection to your audience, you'll find that they'll meet you there and they will show up and they will invest. 
So, so it's also very much like, you know, being able to go both ways. Cause you know, currently, you know, you see someone put an ad out on Facebook and people are more interested in being able to create their own content in a way, interact, make a comment about it rather than just being, just watching videos and listening and reading your posts. So if guys, if, if you're out doing a blog or something, consider a group rather than a blog. I mean, probably do both, but consider doing the group because now you have a place for people to connect with. So cool. And then you have, of course, a huge place to connect. We have uh, kind of in the twilight of our time together, Kelly. I also want to find out, I'm very, very interested in this as well. You you do this trifecta. You have the online brands, you have the, the podcast where you give content. And then of course you do a live event. Live event producing is not easy. I've done uh, hundreds of them, multi-day events over the course of my career. So I know just what goes into doing that. Can you tell me a little bit about um, that event you have coming up, which is, well, you're going to do it a few times a year, the Game Changer event. Who's going there and what is that about? Because that just looks epic. Yeah, thank you. We are so excited. We're a little bit more than halfway sold out right now. And we have new people joining the movement every single day. The Game Changer is really an offer that is focused on zigging when everyone else is zagging. So, you know, there's so many events out there that are conference-like events that are you know, the dance parties and the DJ and the sparkles and, you know, lots of people like running by you with lots of offers and lots of different directions. And what we decided that we wanted to focus on creating instead was, you know, an event that's really focused on coming in, working on designing your million dollar breakthrough, and then doing hot seats, laser sessions, having panels and having myself and my team walking the floor in the room, actually coaching you on the spot. So it's actually going to be an event that is run almost like a business incubator where people go home with work complete, plans laid, an action plan that they can implement, and that there's continuity from that point forward until the next Game Changer event takes place. So we are super, super excited. We're going to be talking about things like how to command the virtual room on camera because as you know, marketers in the online world, everyone needs to know how to sell online. Everyone needs to know how to sell on live stream and on camera. That's so, so key. And so we want to make sure that we get people in person and can help them with that. And as I said already, that we're really focused on teaching the six C's of creating a million dollar breakthrough online and how to bring together those six components to take your brand to the top of your industry. It's exciting. So the next one, guys, you can get, uh, the next one's going to be, if there's any tickets left at this point, is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, coming up pretty shortly. And then you're going to be doing these again. So make sure you check out uh, 2019 Game Changer, right? The number is 2019 www.2019gamechanger.com. You can find out more and find out what the next dates are in the right city for you. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for taking the time out of your, of your life today. I sure appreciate it. Um, final thought, final uh, share for the group, for anyone listening right now. If you are in a place where it's time to figure out what is next with whether it's content creation, online streaming strategies, what's one thing I need to remember that I cannot afford to forget? Yeah, I would say two things, actually. I would say be true to you because I think that if you quiet your mind, quiet your body, slow down, and just kind of listen to being what you're being called to as an entrepreneur, all the answers are there for you already. We just have to tune in and listen. So that's the first one. And then the second one is you know showing up consistently for your audience. You have to show up for them in the form of service if you want them to show up for you in pulling out their credit cards. 
couldn't say it better myself. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much. Guys, that is it for the show this week. Remember, check out Kelly Roach. Uh, what a fun interview. What a wonderful, wonderful woman. Uh, you can follow her at Instagram at Kelly Roach Official. And then Facebook, like I said, is kellyroachcoaching.com slash community. As check this out. It is so cool to watch thousands of people in a Facebook group interacting and, and you can watch exactly what she's doing and not only learn from her, but also learn the strategy behind what she's doing, which is so cool. Check out her podcast, Unstoppable Success Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you get podcasts. And of course, 2019gamechanger.com if you want to look at this live event, The Game Changer. That's it for the show this week. As usual, of course, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, at Matt Browning. If you're listening in the car, subscribe on iTunes, on any streaming platforms. You can get this on demand to the device that you're choosing. It is free. It is always free twice a week, every single week, helping you to get motivated, inspired to get out there and crush it. See you next time.